Welcome to the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church. We hope our broadcast will bless you. Good morning, everybody. Happy Sabbath. Got the scripture here from Galatians 5:13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Thank you, Lord, for these scriptures. Good morning, church family. Earlier, I was bragging to Tony about putting insulates on today. I'm thinking that's a massive mistake right about now. I need, I need one of them like hand towels from them, you know, the old school fire and brimstone treaters. You know, they're all like, oh, I need one of them, guys. But you guys, um, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak from the pulpit again. Uh, I confidently believe that I'm usually the one with a greater blessing when I speak, uh, usually because, you know, when I'm putting a message together, you know, I have to search deep and you come to a place of humility and through that I'm brought closer to God. So I, it, it is my prayer that um, I'm able to facilitate a blessing on your behalf too. So let's go ahead and pray real fast. Father God, I just want to thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house. And uh, just for everyone here present within earshot, Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit will rest on every heart, including mine, Lord, that you touch me in a special way. And just, uh, Lord, just thank you for who you are. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Who here is not familiar with the idiom, uh, the grass is greener on the other side? Everyone knows what that idiom is? You've heard it before? Most Well, okay, so just, I guess just in case... Somebody hasn't heard it, uh, I'll elaborate on it just a little bit. So often we find ourselves in situations where we begin to believe a change in our circumstance will benefit us somehow. And, uh, you know, this could come by way of maybe a career change, right? So eh, if I just land that job, things will be better for me, right? Or maybe it's where you live. Eh, if I just lived in Florida, I wouldn't have to put up with the cold anymore, right? <laughs> Hope you like heat rash. There's always a trade-off. Uh, and uh, Or maybe it's somebody you're romantically involved with, right? Like, okay. I'll, uh, I could maybe game up or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, to be fair uh, to the idiom, sometimes it's true. Sometimes if you pursue something better, it ends up working out for you, right? But on the whole, does it? Is the grass usually greener for you? I mean, I'm thinking about the examples from earlier. I mean, sometimes you land a job and it ends up being way worse. Or, you know, like I said, you move somewhere you want to live and you end up with psycho neighbors or something. I don't know, you know. So the grass isn't always better for you. And I'll admit, I'm probably a little bit more jaded on this subject because I'm always a victim of my own stupidity, always trying to seek better things. And this has caused me to... Um, appreciate purple uh, people with the same sort of worldview as my wife who seems to always be really content with her present circumstance and she always sees the blessings and things and so just want to buoy those individuals up thank you for setting an example for people like me who are consistently wanting change in their life um, so anyway not sure exactly what everyone's experience is here on, on the subject at hand but I have to believe that most of us have probably uh, learned a few lessons or two about walking away from something good, uh, not knowing it at the time, but realizing it after the fact. You guys ever been in that situation? Had a little bit of remorse about moving on from something, and you're like, oh, no, it was definitely better what I was doing or where I was at. 
Now, we as Christians, we're in a, in a, a kind of unique situation, are we not? Uh, who here believes that we serve an amazing God? Just show of hands. Right? I know you feel kind of obligated to lift your hand for something like that. Now, who here believes that the God we serve provides everything that we need and then more? You are pretty content with the God that we serve? Well, you should be, because God is an awesome God, and he's a big and amazing God. Um, I'm going to ask a harder question here, though. Who here believes that we don't have a clue just how good we have it as Christians and that we often take God for granted? Who's honest with themselves this morning? That's what I'm looking for. All right. Um, I'm afraid that there's a few of us, and I'm going to include myself in that because I'm speaking directly from experience, who have lost sight of how good God is and that sometimes we get caught up in this looking for looking for that greener grass maybe not even intentionally looking for it but there we are and then maybe just maybe we end up wandering just a little bit and so today what i want us to do is i want us to explore the parable of the prodigal son and not usually not from the angle that it's usually presented i guess today it'll be a little bit more darker um, and we're going to find that in Luke 15, along with two very similar parables. I say they're very similar because when you consider the prodigal son, the parable of the lost sheep, and the parable of the lost coin, they all share some of the same basic framework, right? You have the you have the shepherd, you have the coin keeper, and then you have the the father, who are all direct representation of God, our loving God, and the one who uh, looks over. Okay, and then the reciprocal is true when you have the, the prodigal son, the actual coin, and then the lost sheep are all represent all they all represent um, a figure who has wandered or who has gone astray or been displaced. I'm going to take some liberties with this this morning because I believe we're all very familiar uh, with these parables, all of them, because they're very popular. They're cited very they're they're cited a lot, uh, and I think they're cited a lot. Uh, for a couple different reasons. One, they make you feel good. These parables make you feel good because they uh, they offer hope. And they point you in the direction of Jesus, and they should. Uh, some would say they offer you a bit of a safety net uh, for your faith. Put a little asterisk there. I think some of us like to abuse that a little bit. But that's, a, that's a message for another time. But secondly, I think these messages or these parables are shared frequently because they are relatable. Uh, to one extent or another, I think that we have all made eyes with things maybe we shouldn't have made eyes with and have all wandered. Uh, maybe just even a little teensy-weensy bit. It's there. So I think we all have sort of the same basic understanding and maybe even experience here. So... Let's, uh, let's shoot over to verse 11. I want to, I invite you to follow along with me in Luke 15, uh, chapter 11. And I appreciate, thank you, uh, Michelle. She, she actually covered the, the second son. So this parable host, you got the younger son, you have the older son. Uh, she covered the, the last third of the parable. So I'm going to cover the first two. Okay. First two thirds. Starting in verse 11. And Jesus said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father. Give me my money. Right? He said, give me uh, the share of my estate that I have coming to me. Just just a little bit of entitlement here. Uh, 
But yeah, so, and I'm sure there's some details, Mitch, and we'll cover that a little bit later, but his father succumbs to the request and distributes the assets to the sons. And not many days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had, everything that he had, brothers and sisters, and, and traveled to a distant country. So not a street over, not the next county. This is a country away, countries away, okay, where he what? where he squandered his estate in foolish living. Uh, by the way, I, I did a little... I, uh, the definition of prodigal, meaning someone spending money or resources frivolously. I didn't know that. So if you want to know why he's the prodigal son, that's why. It makes sense because he's not very wise in this estate, right? He squandered that entire estate that was given to him in foolish living. In verse 14, Murphy's Law, right? After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and then he had lost everything, right? So if uh, I imagine if a famine strikes an area, I mean, it doesn't just impact economic growth and job development. I mean, he probably had nothing. He pro- you know, probably hit a few pawn shops or something to sell what he had. So he's limited to, I don't know, probably the clothes on his back. Let's see, where are we at? So verse 14, 15, so... He needs money. He needs cash flow. Uh, so then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country. And it, being a famine and all, you're not going to get a nice cush job. So he's in a very humbling situation here, taking what he could get. So he was sent into the fields to feed pigs. Now, this is how bad of a situation he was in. He longed to eat the fill from the pig's food, which is carapod. Some of your scriptures say that. I'm actually not exactly sure what a carapod is. It sounds delicious, but it's probably not. I don't know. Uh, but he longed to eat the pig food. But this is how cold people were. Or times were probably just that tough, right? No one would actually give him any of it. He's in a bad spot, this guy is. So in verse 17, finally, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food? Yet here am I. I am starving of hunger. I'll get up. I'll go to my father's house and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So, you know, he's rehearsing this in his mind. So he got up, went to his father. And, we, you know, we've all heard this parable, right? And we got the image in our mind where the, the father is sitting there. He's been waiting for his son, and then he catches a glimpse of the son afar off. It's probably a dusty road or whatever. And then he doesn't even give his chance, uh, his son a chance to come to him. He runs out, throws his arms around him. The son says, Father, I'm sorry. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Please forgive me. And then what's the father do? He's a loving father, right? But the father said, come here, bring my son a good cloak, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. He was in bad shape. He didn't even have sandals. Pretty interesting detail there. Let's celebrate with the feast because the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found. So they began to celebrate. Now this is where uh, we should start to feel all warm inside, right? Because we are reminded of just how loving God is to accept us, even in the poor condition that we're in, conditions that we put ourselves in. Okay, but this story isn't just about redemption and restoration. 
At the very core, this is a story about consequence. You see, unlike the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, this parable offers us detail on what happens when we wander and when we step outside of the, or the, the, the influence of our Father. Are you guys with me? Uh, you get a, and by the way, you also get a glimpse of just how cold and unforgiving the natural world is when we are not where we ought to be. Um, so right off the bat, there's a couple of things I want to emphasize about hardships. Uh, the world is a hard place uh, for Christians, for non-Christians. Uh, and as Christians, by the way, we have a special set of challenges associated with our faith. Um, you're not going to escape hardship. So this idea that accepting Jesus in, into your life removes you from bad things happening to you is a, a tragic misunderstanding of scriptures. Uh, in fact, when we look at the story, the, the famine that impacted, it impacted everybody, the whole country, right? And I got to believe there were godly people that were there. So pretty universal, hard things. However, there is something to be said about having God centered in your life that sort of stacks the cards in your favors. Are you, you understand what I'm saying? Uh, Nahum 1.7 reads this, and this is a good scripture to keep in your back pocket. The Lord is good, and he is a stronghold in the day of distress, and he cares for those who take refuge in him. Not to say he doesn't care about people who don't, but this is unique. So brothers and sisters, at the very least, we as Christians, we have a certain degree of protection when we seek God out. Are you following me? Now, there remains a flip side to this coin. Uh, if our circumstances are such that we don't invite God to lead, or at the very least invite him to give us some sort of direction, what kind of position are we putting ourselves in? You understand what I'm saying? And it's, it's a crazy world out there. It is crazy. So in light of everything that could go wrong when we choose not to allow God to leave, it makes me wonder... Going back to this parable, what the father was experiencing watching his son walk away into the distance, knowing the probable outcome. I mean, he, he wasn't stupid, right? The story doesn't actually offer the details as I mentioned earlier, but I imagine as loving as the father probably was when he came back, he probably was in a lot of turmoil when his son was away uh, doing silly things. Uh, page 203 of Christ Object Lessons, we get a little inspiration on this, and it reads... Little did the happy, thoughtless youth, as he went out from his father's gate, dream of the ache and longing left in his father's heart. When he danced and feasted with his wild companions, little did he think of the shadow that had fallen on his home. You know, now that I'm a father and a dad, I get it. I get it. All them times my dad was cautious, and looking after me, he knew what the real world was like. He knew what was going to happen if my brother and I ran out in the middle of the road. Or what was going to happen if we talked to strangers and, you know, get snatched up or something. Like, he, he got it. And that was all out of love. And he knew what would come to pass if he wasn't there to present my brother and I degrees of protection. And so those are the sort of things I want to employ with my kids, you know, because I love them. And I want to be present in their life. You know, so this is a good opportunity to give praise to those who are present in their children's lives, mothers and fathers, 
uh, praise God for you guys who stick around and, you know, you're doing the good work. Lord knows we need direction. And as I'd mentioned earlier, the world is crazy. It is crazy out there. You don't have to go very far to check out a circus out there. It's obvious that there's a, it's void of direction from, you know, people with wisdom and leaders and fathers. And, and certainly there's uh, a, a, a lack of wisdom from, heavenly, from the Heavenly Father out there. Sin has no logic. Sin has no logic at all. It's a wild card. I want to read a, a very sobering scripture, and I, it helps set the stage for what I'm trying to present today. Ephesians 6.12, and this is probably one you guys know by heart. Um, so follow with me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against wickedness in high places, you guys. We don't have a clue just how far self things can go for us if God isn't in our life. Do you get what I'm saying? If God is not present in our life, what's keeping us? I mean, it's only by the grace of God. We are completely and utterly dependent on him. Completely and hopelessly dependent on God for everything. He's like the air that we breathe. Now here's my left hook. I got a left hook and a right hook this morning, okay? Some of you might be asking, well, Aaron, we're Christians. We all depend on God. But are you sure about that? Are you sure that you depend on God? Are you sure there's not small portions of you looking for that greener grass? Just little bits of you. Sometimes I think, myself included, I'm, I'm putting myself in this mix. Sometimes we forget that the story of the prodigal son is about Christians. The story isn't about people that don't know God. You see, the prodigal son was in his father's house. And for whatever reason, he began to wander because, I don't know, he thought things were all set for him, right? He was looking for that greener grass, and somehow he became blind and apathetic to just how good he had it until he was in the gutter, which is exactly where some of us end up, by the way, as Christians. And obviously, that's figuratively, but, well, not always figuratively, okay, Uh, but as a whole, that's where we end up when we don't center God in our life. Who's ever had a bad spiritual lull? Spiritual, be honest with yourselves. Have you ever uh, come to a place in your, in your life where you're like, man, I, I need God in my life. I mean, we all need God in our life, but you just, you felt like uh, you had poopy faith. We'll, we'll call it that, poopy faith. How did you end up there? By the choices you make. Absolutely. That is on us. And that was probably because we were looking for greener grass. We made decisions that prompted bad behavior. That's on us. And by the way, God was probably prompting us the whole time. But, you know, you know, you know, natural law. We always kind of follow our own inclinations here. But yes, this this parable about the prodigal son is a warning to all Christians about life outside of the designs and the parameter of the Most High. Now, there's a couple things that stand out to me about this parable. Um, One, and it's one we're all very aware of, but it's worth establishing, especially as we talk about things that aren't so fun to talk about, is how amazing God's love actually is. 
and deep and wide that he's willing to seek out, redeem, and, and elevate folks who walk away, not even just accidentally, but intentionally. God doesn't give up. And that's the God that we serve, brothers and sisters. And that's the same God that we take for granted, though, too. And that's got to be very painful for him. Just something worth putting in your back pocket, okay? God's an amazing God, an amazing resource, too. Um, But second, I continue to dwell on the misuse of liberty here displayed in this story. And free will. It blows me away how the father is willing to give his son a portion of his inheritance, knowing that he's probably going to misuse it. And there's some very deep undertones when we consider this, right? Because God offers salvation to everybody, knowing that most people aren't going to accept it. Um, And I'm sure there are details not mentioned in the story where the father tries to reason with the son. Of course he would. As a loving father, they probably had an argument, a spat. I would never, ever just let my son just walk away. Okay, I'll get you another time. No, he loved his son. Son, don't do it. This is going to happen. No. Uh, and earlier we talked about the, the, the free will that God offers us, right? It blows me away how the son was so delusional to the point of not recognizing just how blessed he was to have a loving father. Um, I miss my dad. Every day. I wish he was around. He has passed away. And I, I can't imagine being in a situation where uh, someone doesn't have a good relationship with the father. Um, quite, oh, that's so sad. Um, and having a good asset in your life like that, that figure. Okay. I guess I'm trying to understand what it would be like not understanding that. Uh, or also, maybe, maybe the reasons why the son walked away was just he was in a rebellion so bad. That virtue and reason didn't do anything to curb his ambition to leave. I don't know. Uh, What is it that drives any of us to make bad decisions? We've all been in this place, right? You know you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. You know it. And God's even telling you, but you still somehow convince yourself to do it. Why do we do that? I think at the very core, sure. You ever think about that? And then when it happens, you're like, Why did I do that? I knew better. We get a little clarity on this subject. Uh, Christ Object Lessons, page 198.4. The younger son had become weary of the restraint of his father's house. He thought that his liberty was restricted. His father's love and care for him were misinterpreted, and he determined to follow the dictates of his own inclination. You guys... um, I don't think anyone likes rules. Uh, My wife comes close. Uh, She's a rule follower, but I don't know that she likes rules as much as she likes the benefits of the rules, okay? But there is safety and promise within the boundaries that God seeks to fence around you. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, There is safety and promise within that framework that God seeks to hedge around you with love. Okay, that's that's the biggest takeaway I want you to get this morning. So I'm trying to hammer that. A lot of folks out there balk at the idea of order and boundaries, but that's where true freedom actually exists. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but I want you to consider how the world views liberty. 
Okay. Just how much freedom do you really have when you pursue a lot of these things that people are employing their freedom searching out? Um, let me think of a, a couple examples. So I was thinking the diet earlier. That's a really easy one. I love food. Food is amazing, especially good food. Uh, and I would love to be able to eat everything that I wanted. And I'm sure you guys understand what I'm talking about. But there's a butt shift. There's reasons why the Lord has given us certain parameters to stay within, right? And those reasons are good reasons. What freedom do you have when you're all stroked out? And you have poor health. Where is your freedom there? There isn't any. Another example. Um, what if you use your personal liberty to practice promiscuity? Not an easy one to talk about. Uh, but then you end up with no self-worth or dignity. And yeah, you're free, but now you have that all clinging to you and that's going to follow you. Okay. So there's, there really is no freedom when you, when you practice, uh, you know, being loose like that, or, or what about like, uh, alcohol use, right? So, uh, the guilt and shame you have after, you know, drinking a lot. Maybe you say things to people and it follows you, things you shouldn't have said, you know, when you're inebriated. Or at the very worst, you guys, uh, you're on your way home from somewhere after drinking and you smoke a family in their minivan and now you get to carry the weight of that incident for the rest of your life because you were able to employ free will in a bad way. That's not freedom. That is not freedom. The freedom the world offers is fake. It is fake. Now, I can imagine the prodigal son fantasizing about things that he'd be able to do without the influence of his father around. But the truth is, he was put into bondage seeking freedom to the point that he actually wanted to go back to a position of servitude. Um, brothers and sisters, uh, when you hear that voice of God, as small as it is sometimes, listen to it. Because that is the Lord trying to help you make a decision that you're not going to regret, that you're both going to regret. Listen to that voice. Now, here's the kicker. God offers us freedom, hoping that we will choose him with it. That's how that works. Now, unfortunately, we don't always take advantage of it that way. We sort of misuse it. And then we will blame God for the outcome. God's like, what? <laughs> We will blame God. Lord, why did you let this happen to me? And God's like, I tried telling you. And then we will create a wedge between him and uh, you and him. And the relationship is sparred because you just didn't listen to that still small voice. And seek him out. And that's what the Lord is wanting to protect you against. So, guys, here's my right hook this morning. Uh, you want to be free? Who wants freedom? I guess nobody wants to be free. Are you kidding me, you guys? Who wants freedom? Freedom. Okay, so then we need to understand that true freedom is really freedom from ourselves. Are you with me? True freedom is living by and through God's grace the way that he has set for us to live. And that's how that works, at least on this side of eternity. Okay? And if we want to avoid abusing liberty as he has granted us, I, I appreciate the scripture reading this morning. I'm going to requote that, okay? Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now here's a trade-off. But through love, 
serve one another, Paul says. So guys, instead of serving yourself, serve someone, serve someone else. And that's how you redeem liberty. So in closing, I think one of the best ways we could serve one another, and I know it sounds really canned and cliche, but it's true, um, is sharing Jesus with your friends, your family, people who need to hear it. Share how the Lord has pulled you out of doing stupid things, how he's redeemed you, or maybe kept you from doing X, Y, and Z. Share those opportunities with people because it is a dark place out there. And people need to know that there is hope. Share that. Share Jesus. Um, quite, quite redeemable. And, you know, when we share what the Lord has done for us, we are also blessed because we were able to glean a sense of purpose through doing that. And this, you guys, is how you experience true freedom. There is no guilt there, only purpose. And it's amazing. So there's no need to look for greener grass at that point when you do that. So, you guys, that's what I got today. Um, who wants to choose Jesus today? You guys want to choose Jesus? Yeah, let's do that. Father God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be in your house again um, and for the rich blessings that you bring each and every one of us, even the ones that we don't recognize, Father. We just want to thank you for your loving kindness. And Lord, we just want to offer this up to you, Lord, as um, the little what we actually bring to the table here, Lord. We, we want to extend to you the throne of our heart. Lord, we want to choose you. Lord, we ask that you give us direction and you offer us wisdom. We know that you want to protect us and that you do that because you love us, Father God. So move forward in our lives, Lord. Lead us. As we leave here today, offer us protection that only you can offer, Father God. Thank you for hearing us today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You have been listening to the broadcast from the Midland Seventh-day Adventist Church at 2420 East Ashman in Midland, Michigan. If you are in the area, we cordially invite you to visit our church Saturday mornings. If you are a distance away, we encourage you to continue visiting our website and weekly podcast at midlandsda.org.